0: The next few weeks at Tech Talks are all about our best trauma sponsor, Fokof Lager. What better way to cleanse yourself of the week that was than participating in Fokof Fridays? Head on over to any participating bar and restaurant, buy two Fokof Lagers for 70 bucks, and drop your slip in the venue's box. And you can start a chance to win some pretty fucking lacquer prizes. Over the next two weeks, we are going to be giving away tickets to some pretty amazing shows, so keep your eyes on our socials for more info. This week, though, we are going Going to be giving away four sets yes four sets of double tickets to catch the policy car unplugged live stream on Sunday the 29th of November. Simply head over to in the City socials and tag the friend you want to watch the live stream with and remember to tag at of Lager. Easy. Winners will be announced on our socials Wednesday the 25th of November so stay tuned. and welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tix, and today I am talking to a bassist, composer and producer with an affinity for all kinds of genres and mediums. Gravitating towards the bass as his instrument of choice while simultaneously making beats under his moniker of Cardon Spokes, He established two fruitful musical careers that he moved seamlessly in between, and when lockdown hit, he sprung into action and executed one of the most thorough and thoughtfully put-together release schedules I've seen all year. As part of the new wave of jazz artists pushing the genre forward in South Africa, his work is melodically rich and colorful and shines a bright light on the immense talent that we have in this country. I am, of course, talking about Shane Cooper. Shane, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Tekla, thanks so much for having me. Very good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. uh, we, we were talking before we started recording about the massive thunderstorm that we're currently having in Joburg. And I mean, as a as a born and bred Capetonian, I don't know if I'm ever going to get used to them. They're crazy.
1: <laughs> I know, absolutely. I mean, I, I was born and raised in PE, then lived in Cape Town for a long time, and I'm still getting used to them. Um, every time they come in hard and close, it gives me a scrick. And like, I always crap myself if I'm in the studio and working <laughs> that it's going to blast my computer and i'm gonna lose shit so i often end up like saving furiously and backing up and then shutting down for a while until it's sort of calm um but yeah i'm getting used to i remember a few years ago um i was driving from Joburg to cape town and i was driving at night like just a stretch of it i think and um I was in the Northern Cape and this huge storm hit. And right then um, I was playing Felix LeBan's Dark Days Exit album. And that track came on. I think it's like at the end of the album. And it's just got this kid's voice. or It's it's like a girl's voice going, I don't want to die tonight. And that just like (laughs) rang in my my head throughout the rest of that drive.
0: (laughs) That's so creepy. So... Let's take things back to just before the world shut down. Uh, mm-hmm. You had just spent two weeks at Jazz VAC Staten in Switzerland, where yeah. you've been a, a guest co-curator for the last three years. And then yeah. you rushed back to Wurt here in in, well, in South Africa, in Stellenbosch. And then you basically had to go straight into isolation before the rest of the country went into lockdown. Like yeah. what's, what's going through your mind as you realize your career is basically being forced to a standstill.
1: Yeah, it was pretty intense. I mean, when I was in Switzerland um, at that festival, Jazz Reichstadt, we we already had, I think, three artists on the lineup who had to be canceled like within a few days before the opening night because they had just traveled through um, either parts of like Northern Italy or other areas from the neighboring countries that were hit really hard um, just before stuff really started ramping up all over the world and so there were these government protocols coming in there and we had to like replace these guys last minute and it was it was really tough um on them on the festival it was it was wild but we had to follow the protocol and even like while the festival was going on we had to monitor all these um updates from the swiss government every day not knowing if we'd have to suddenly shut down like last minute so i was already kind of inside this madness on that side but didn't didn't really have any sense of what was to come of course and and i remember the guys saying you know do you think you'll also start to get um any of these measures in place in sa and i really didn't foresee it happening but but i'm no expert at all um got back did vote fierce and then just after that um i came back to josie and uh Cyril did the the big address and it was like if you had been to any of these countries they listed the countries then you had to go into self-isolation straight away um and I'd been um I think Switzerland was on there but pretty much everyone at the festival was had come from those um, places like they originated from parts of those places so it was like Italy, Austria, Germany places like that um so I had to go I had to get tested and go into self-isolation and simultaneously um, just the years worth of festivals and or mm. tours were getting cancelled like within um, within a few weeks, you know, six months of, of touring and gigging and stuff was shut down. Um, so it was pretty intense. And as I say, like I had some sense of, you know, I guess the, the severity of the situation over there, but I really didn't foresee it, you know, unfolding the way it did. Um, and as soon as it did, it, it sort of just, it went from zero to to like sixth gear within a few days and i I lost all that work so i decided straight away like to just go into problem solving mode you Mm -hmm. know and not not get like depressed about it you know
0: exactly but yeah. you were incredibly resourceful i think you were one of the first musicians to get on that hustle towards generating income to get you through lockdown and like i said in the intro i mean you you really you really have done the most i mean it was your small songs for big times volume 1 which you completed in 18 hours which is insane then your quarantine collabs where like dancers from all over the world would interpret your compositions then your Learn to Levitate video, which we featured, which was amazing. And then Small Songs for Big Times, Volume 2. Like, Shane, have you ever been busier in your life?
1: <laughs> oh, man, it was wild because when I think back, I mean, I think for all of us, when we think back to those first first couple months of like like super intense lockdown, it feels like a lifetime ago, mm, but at the does. same time the other day, like so much, um, we've had so much to go through, you know, but um i think for me it was it was it was twofold like i had to i had to lean into it to obviously find ways to like recoup money that i lost from these tours and a lot of things that had actually a lot of administrative work had gone into these tours and stuff like that that you only get paid for once you've finished it um so it's not only about like losing things that are coming it's about also not getting paid for stuff you've done and then so it was it was yeah it was twofold in that I was leaning into stuff and finding solutions to try to recoup money lost but also just like mentally stay sane and not lose my shit um and music has always been I guess a a place of solace for me and a place of um you know just centering myself and you know there's the music business but then there's music and the music part is really just a pure beautiful joyful thing the same thing that uh, led me to it as a kid you know so um just having that and being able to make music at home was a a gift and i i I speak for you know i think a lot of people who maybe were creatives couldn't do stuff at home because of what you know like whatever you know medium or discipline they were involved in i was fortunate enough to have you know my home studio set up so i could get in there every day and just create um and find ways to like cope with the chaos and the madness and um but it was busy i just kind of leaned into it and just said okay if i'm gonna if I'm going to survive this and actually like be able to pay the bills and stuff I better just like work my ass off because also everyone was losing work outside of music as well people were losing jobs people were unsure of stuff Mm -hmm. so when you're coming up online with like content trying to sell albums you know you're not necessarily on a priority list you know (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: 100% when I mean when we started Text Talks, um, well, we'd, we launched it in March, but we'd recorded it a few months prior, obviously, when there was no lockdown, and we did it in studio, and I had the luxury of being able to, you know, see – the person who I was interviewing and talk to them. Right. And then when lockdown hit and the podcast started doing well, we were like, Oh my God, what are we going <laughs> to do for season two? So, you yeah. know, we like, exactly what you said now we had to adapt, but thankfully, you know, Tom's came on board and they gave us all the gear and, and, you know, yeah. now this is the quote unquote new norm. This is how yeah. we record, you know, you're, you're in Joburg and I'm in Joburg, but you know, you're sitting in your studio and I'm sitting in my lounge and, and that's, yeah that's how we yeah that's how we're going to run things for the foreseeable future but but this Absolutely. this desire to like keep busy and keep moving i mean is is this what is this what an ad, average day looks like for you
1: yeah it does i mean for me like m- music is still very much i try to keep it um i try to keep my intention behind music um like Innocent in a way, like I, I think a lot of the business side of the music industry can can weigh down on one after years and there's a lot of struggle that comes with that. But if if you're able as an artist to like return to your craft and, and just like focus on the things that draw you to it, um, that that has the, the things that have nothing to do with, you know, money or, or any of those aspects, it's just about you and your your instrument or your voice or your your pen or whatever it is, um, then. All the, all the other sort of troubles in life slip away and you can get into that. And so for me every day, I think I've been thinking about this a lot is one of the things that um, I was like actively doing in terms of intention and like a practice of intention in this time was um, kind of priming myself always so that as no matter how hardcore or uncertain everything in the world felt, because there was so, it was just like that. It was just a barrage of uncertainty and intensity for everyone. And and sometimes I'd have to just like not be on Twitter or not be on the news because it was just too much for my human soul to handle, you know? Um, so sometimes one has to just like disengage, I guess. But but a lot of it was like l- fine tuning the art of priming myself for that creative space so that i can i can just switch off and not be half like half foot in ad, admin half foot in like you know home stuff half foot in this like when i'm working on the craft when i'm working on music i'm just there and i'm a hundred percent committed to it and in the zone and then i can achieve more in in short amounts of time so it's been a great way to kind of i guess sharpen that thing um which i think anyone you know everyone's trying to do that who's trying to be better at whatever they do in life you know is, is focus their intention in their presence and um uh, things like that so um i guess i've i've made some progress in that way and it was something i was trying to do prior to 2020 um through some some hard years previously and stuff and learning learning more about myself and i guess like just trying to trying to get better at being me you know so um Every day, as much as possible, I try to get into the studio and get creative, you know, Mm -hmm. whether that's working on something that has a definite destination, if it's an album that I know, you know, is with these artists collaboratively or a solo thing, maybe it's got a specific kind of release date in mind, or it's more open-ended until we find what we're trying to find. Um, But I try to get in studio every day and create something and do a little bit of play um, that's just not attached to anything serious and a little bit of something that is attached to a real project that has a name and has an intention and stuff like that. And just keep it fluid, keep it flowing. I, as soon as I get bored of something, I move on to a different thing. And fortunately, <laughs> I, I'm lucky enough to work in different genres and stuff like that. So if I'm getting bored of playing rich. something, and mm-hmm. exactly, to acoustic or whatever, I'll jump into the electronics space and work on, work on stuff on the computer with synths and things like that. Um, and just keep it fresh and inspired and if I'm not feeling up for it I just won't do it because yeah there's no point in trying to make you know I don't know beautiful creative stuff if you're just feeling depressed or down like I'd rather just go chill and watch a movie or something you know yeah
0: yeah actually uh, that that was you pretty much answered the next question I wanted to ask you because um, you know music for a lot of people who Um, or for just for people in general is a, is an escape. It's a therapy, but if you are a Mm. musician or you do work at the music industry and music is, you know, you're 24 seven, you're all day, every day. um, you, You know, for me, like, like, I can only speak from personal experience. Sometimes I go home. Well, I'm here all day, every day, but <laughs> but you know, when, when I was, you know, before lockdown, I would come home and, you know, sometimes listening to music would be the last thing that I would want to do. Mm. Um, mm. So I wanted to ask you like how you would, you would unplug if it wasn't, if you are trying to move away from music, how you would unplug and how you would de-stress. Um, but you, you know, you said chill and watch a movie, but is there anything
1: else? Definitely. I mean, for, for me like just getting into some kind of nature like I, I can't claim to be like a mega hiker or something like that but just I mean I love to walk at Emma Ranch Dam and places like that so mm. of course there was a long period of lockdown where we couldn't do that and then you know you, you could for like three hours in the morning and stuff so I was just walking in my neighborhood but um, just trying to get away from a computer screen, get away from a cell phone get away Very from anything plugged like yeah. in yeah, and just reset because I also spend long hours with headphones on if I'm mixing late at night Um, To not disturb neighbours and like I can get really I started to get really bad ear fatigue um, which I've had prior to this and a lot of my mates who do like very regular mixing of albums and stuff they've had issues with that and constantly upgrading their gear to to like better better suit that kind of um, those long hours but I was working so many late nights with headphones on that I was waking up in the morning with like severe ear fatigue and anyone who spoke to me and person i had to ask them to whisper because it was so hard on my ears so wow i was um as much as possible just trying to get away from any sound generating stuff so that meant at that time it wasn't even movies because i I just didn't want to hear anything um the birds were about as much as i could hear you know or the wind or whatever so um that sort of thing but yeah generally just anything just chilling, just getting away from music. But I do, you know, also sometimes music is the respite, even if I am working on stuff. And I'll I'll deliberately listen to something that's in a very different genre. Like if I've been working on jazz all day, then I'll just go listen to Tame Impala and it it is still a a relaxation for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: A hundred percent. And that's a great album as well. The latest one that they released.
1: Oh, so good.
0: I know. So good. But (laughs) when we, when we interviewed you earlier this year, you said that to stay relevant as a South African artist on, and on an international level, you have to work like six months in advance. And now mm-hmm. with another wave of COVID that's forcing a lot of European countries back into lockdown, are you mm-hmm. able to book any international work at all?
1: Yeah. So um, that was crazy because, so there's this one, that, that festival, that same festival that we started this conversation on Jazz Werkstatt, I was going to go back there next year, um, not as a co-curator, but just to play. They gave me carte blanche to um, present a set and I was putting together something really special for that. Amazing. Um, and we made a call a couple of weeks ago to can it because of the uncertainty. Oh, There's no. all these great musicians. I would, it was like a <laughs> 10 piece band. So it would be booking all these guys who would take, you know, dedicate that period for rehearsing and doing the show. And then I would be putting them at risk if suddenly I wasn't able to come or, you know, I wouldn't be able to afford to go and do like a week quarantine there myself at, you know, in a hotel or something. So we just realized with all the uncertainty to postpone it another year, until 2022 um so that was that was on and i you know whenever i go to europe for something specific i I capitalize on the time and try to book a bunch of stuff with different projects and collaborative things so you know i didn't invest time investigating that so we left that and there's now a, a, a theater show that i wrote music for a few years ago that's been invited to france um in the middle of next year i won't talk about it too much but um We'll see. We're holding thumbs, but who knows? But yeah, besides that, like I'm just not, you know, I've got this, I'm constantly updating. I've got this list of like international venues and festivals that kind of suit the sort of music I'm involved in. Um, And I'm always updating that list and looking at artists that I sort of align myself with and seeing where they play and where they tour to and sort of trying to set my trajectories on those paths. And I had a whole bunch of stuff mapped out from, I guess like the beginning of the year where I was looking towards next year. And I'm just like, I haven't even opened that folder since I don't know, April or something. Cause I just realized as time's gone on, it's there's no point in investing the energy in it. And I'm okay with that for me, the, I guess the space I'm in creatively now is, is I'm really enjoying being in the studio a lot and and creating. And so I'm just looking forward to 2021 as an extension of 2020 in terms of that process and hopefully shows locally, um, but I think if I stress myself out about trying to get opportunities in Europe, um, it's I'm just setting myself up for pain, you know, so there's no point. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'd rather just let things play out and see what happens because um, it's a lot of admin as well. So if if I'm that uncertain, it's not really worth dipping my toes in that water yet. And it's almost like rather plan hard and and get even more robust with, I guess, what I'd like to do for 2022 in terms of like Europe, you know?
0: 100% 100% but I think it's like to look on the positive side I think that lockdown proved the advantages of being a DIY muso like you and 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 from playing like bass to building your own synths to producing your own music and editing your own vi- videos like you do you do everything and and yeah. other than creating music I want to know what are some of what are some of the the services that you offer during lockdown but still offer now because I I I remember reading somewhere that you, you offered online um uh tutoring.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I'm just thinking because I remember seeing someone had posted um you could pay like a hundred dollars to have a llama join your Zoom meeting. Oh <laughs> my <I> was...
0: god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um I did a geez, so many weird different things. Like I did a <clears throat> I did a birthday song for a friend of mine. Um he's a promoter in Amsterdam. I did a birthday song for um his girlfriend. And that was like a commission to kind of take something that I'd created just loosely in lockdown and and posted a video of he liked that and wanted like an extended, like full, uh, fuller version. So I did that for her. And it was just a secret video on a private link, you know, and and kind of personalized for her with some text and things like that as well. Um, And I did a lot of tutoring. It was both bass and Ableton production, beat making, mixing, like kind of hybrid thing. Shane, do um, you do s- enough
0: stuff though? Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to think what else, random stuff. I did a couple performances for like um, events, like Zoom events or whatever, you know, that people put together like um, companies, I guess corporate events or whatever. So things like that where I performed with, with a mate of mine. We played like, music but it was pretty tricky um just the tech thing i don't know i haven't quite cracked that one perfectly but people liked it and um obviously did a bunch of live streams from home which were fun really fun um i got probably too drunk on most of them but it was it was fun (laughs) um i'm trying to think what else yeah just random things i offered a bunch of things online and i was just like ready to go i think i did some um some audio editing for people here and there as well stuff that you know is, is not really like published or whatever under my name or whatever, but yeah, just any, anything related to like audio I was willing to do, you know?
0: So one of the other things I wanted to talk about was your, um, band, well, Bandcamp launched their, their Bandcamp Fridays where they wavered their cut of revenues on all sales that, that artists made on certain Fridays. And you created a lot of content specifically for that reason. What was this a profitable move?
1: Um, The Bandcamp Fridays actually worked pretty well on the Fridays. So there's so much momentum behind that day, like all the artists that um, got behind it and put out releases specifically for it was sharing constantly on on their social media. So there was this huge spread. And then a lot of really big name artists would ask for Um, more indie artists to go and put their links on like a twitter thread and and they'd share it and a lot of them i had like really famous people that i admire end up buying my albums because of that and paying like considerably large extra sums of donation like like paying way more than the album was for sale for kind of thing like like some really reputable artists i I won't mention their names but it, it kind of blew me away how much momentum there was behind Bandcamp fridays from the artists from the audience um, from Bandcamp itself and it it just felt like the, the kind of measures that I've, I think every streaming platform should have taken in these times. Mm. Um, so those initial Fridays were actually overwhelmingly good um, in terms of like the turnout of people buying and, and paying extra for merchandise and things like that but the graph would quite dramatically dip after the fridays and just like level out like a few days with some extra stuff and they just kind of level out for the rest of the month and then pick up again for the next Bandcamp friday so i got behind a few you know new releases specifically made for those and each time i put a new one out the previous ones would do well again on the fridays so i quickly realized there wasn't much need to like push in the weeks in between because you were kind of you know you're wasting your breath and then just wait for the next ones I've, I've chilled out for a few months now not done anymore um just to give other people you know more of the airtime, i guess but um i was very impressed to be honest because like streaming itself is is very challenging to make decent revenue but with bandcamp it's such a beautiful platform where buying of music is encouraged um and people you, you can charge what you want and I, I like the fact that you can as a creator you can charge what you want because like i could go and make like a minimal sleep song now in 10 minutes and i could also go record like a band for a month on another song and i feel like i would price those differently do you know what i mean even Mm -hmm. though i think they're both nice they're both worth selling or whatever i would price the one that cost me a 100 grand a little bit higher than the one that took me 10 minutes do you know what i mean so I, i feel that model's really good um in terms of like just addressing some of the difficulties behind the creativity and and the, the costs that come with putting together recordings these days. But, um, yeah, Bandcamp's amazing. I've, I've got so much love for those guys. And just as a, as a kind of, um, organization, when you reach out to them and, um, just, yeah, I've spoken to them about various things directly and they're incredible. Really amazing. Yeah.
0: So you've actually spoken to somebody from Bandcamp, which is amazing because a lot of these streaming services, you know, if you've got a problem and your music doesn't show up and, you know, you yeah. try, you, you want to speak to somebody, there's nobody to talk to. Like, you know, there's no one to talk to at your your yeah. aggregator or there's no one to talk to at Spotify. You know, it's all very like hush-hush. They know no, um, clear contact details. So that's cool that it sounds like Bandcamp is transparent.
1: It's very transparent. It just it feels like the kind of thing that is... Um, it's as corny as it is, but it just feels like it's for musicians. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Rather than just for profit kind of thing. It, it feels like it's... And I've read interviews with... Um, I think it was like the founder or something. And just the way the way he speaks about... Um, why he started it and what, what he saw was needed um, online, you know, in terms of a platform for selling music and stuff like that. And it just, it takes it a lot of boxes for me. But um, I would say sort of at a higher level, our uh, objective is to be the best way for uh, fans to directly support uh, the artists that they love. The more, the more, more and more content I create, um, the more I realize um, what is needed. You know, you don't know until you kind of hit hurdles Um, what those issues are. So I feel like Bandcamp's constantly evolving in a way that is like in tandem with artists and the difficulty and the nuance and the way the evolution is unfolding of the music business and the way people interact with music as consumers. You know, it's always evolving. I love streaming. I stream music myself and I buy music too and I buy records too. So I guess I'm, you know, a little bit of each, but um, I think it's important that an organisation like that is super engaged with artists and on their side first. Do you know mm-hmm.
0: what I mean? Mm, definitely. I mean, Bandcamp aside, you because as as far as I know, you were one of the first South African artists to jump on Bandcamp Fridays. But you were also one of the first South African artists to start driving people to become patrons on your patreon account and i mean let's be honest like south africa is leagues behind this paying for music concept so so in in the spirit of of normalizing the patreon culture tell us how this works like how much content do you have to generate and how regularly and and like is this something that you would recommend to to younger musos to explore
1: I th- you know Patreon. I, it's mine started out pretty good actually because I had a few packages on there that were um, a little bit more expensive, but they offered Zoom lessons in like in, um mixed in with all the content that I was oh, wow. posting exclusively and stuff like that. But then I had to I got busy with a couple of projects, so I wasn't able to teach anymore. So I had to get those people to all downgrade um, or whatever. So. It's kind of in in a bit of a low point at the moment in terms of what it's earning, but there's I've got a lot of content on there, and I continually update. Um, I keep it quite light footed, just because I know, I, like some of the artists I follow from the states and stuff, who've dedicated an immense amount of time to the, their Patreon accounts. Like it's almost as if they spend a considerable like a part of their working week is just dedicated to patreon do you know what i mean creating Mm -hmm. really good video content that's edited it's not just like behind the scenes one take it's edited it's got a voiceover it's got all the stuff so there's a point where you have to decide are you going to go that far in and if you do you're going to take a bit of a risk because it might take some months to actually build up that audience and you really need to like grow your audience far beyond what you already have and encourage people from overseas to come on board otherwise eventually you're going to lose steam and not want to edit all these videos and things so mine mine's a lot more light-footed most of the videos are like not edited they're really behind the scenes there i set up a cam and i shoot and i talk and i play and whatever it is and then i push stop and i load it um but there's also stuff that's um specifically like behind the scenes um of track production where I, I, i shoot it in obs and I'm shooting myself inside a project file or a project session from a track mm-hmm. I produced and like just showing layers and stuff. And that's just using my webcam <coughs> and a screen screen share, basically. So just going in like that. Um, and it's been pretty fun. But for me, even when I feel like, oh God, I don't really have time for this. I just try to chip <laughs> away at it so that I'm building up content. And maybe even in like three years, it'll suddenly grow because there's this huge library of content. And I, I know that like that also is a way that some people use it. They'll come and subscribe to someone for a month, get access to a ton of content because they have time, look at it, watch the videos, engage with the stuff, and then bail out to save cash. You know, so that's also an option. So you can't expect it to constantly just be this huge stream of money. Um, and I see a few people from South Africa. Like I think Alice, um, not Alice, um, uh, Lucy Kruger's on there now. I think I think I saw she she was doing stuff. So I really want to check out hers and. But it's, it's I was saying to a friend of mine the other day because he was considering it and I was like, I wouldn't really recommend it at this point unless you're going to put in tons and tons and tons and tons of hours um, because you have to kind of build it up. And it's like if you're going to charge someone the same as what they pay for Netflix, you better have a crap ton of content on there, you know, or really they have to be like a super fan. So I'm not at like a super famous level, so I can't expect to have. Um, 100,000 rants worth of subscribers there every month but it feels like something I can slowly build and just have there and if we get to another point where um, gigs are cut like dramatically again and we're we're almost at the same place in terms of entertainment work as we were six months ago then I'll lean into that a bit more being at home more and just deliver more content you know
0: I feel like you need to be spreading the gospel of Patreon so much more or at least like I do now that I know about it because it just sounds so flexible and it sounds like it gives musicians so many different kinds of options or just a whole bunch of different kinds of creatives.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, what's nice is like there's a few people I follow from overseas who I've also gone and just subscribed to for a month here and there because they're doing amazing behind the scenes stuff of like writing a song or track production or whatever and these are guys that are genuinely... Um, admire and and i guess am influenced by you know what i mean so it's that's what what's so beautiful about the internet is that we get all these very personal direct connections to people when they when they tweet and things like that but this is rad to have that content and the setup and the, the layout of it is amazing and it's super easy for guys to just constantly update and have videos and have amazing things so it is kind of in a way it is like having a yeah, it's a subscription service to creators to let them do whatever they want, even if it's just like random thoughts from the morning, you know?
0: hundred mm, percent. So, so talk to me about I mean, you know, I I've I keep a very close eye on your on your social media. And, you know, you you know, you're driving people to bandcamp Fridays, you're driving people yeah. to Patreon, you're driving people to sign up to YouTube channel, tune in for live streams, apply for mentorships, mm-hmm. like all of that. But <laughs> I mean, you know, when when like social media becomes a job do you know what i mean like yeah do you enjoy it or are there are there times where things have become a bit too monotonous for you and you've just had to like unplug
1: there were definitely there have been times for sure um and certainly in some of the most intense periods this year that was definitely the feeling but it was compounded by the fact that like like there were extreme points where the whole world was on fire you know and and so you open twitter to like post something about your upcoming release and the whole world's burning and you're just like jesus this is super tone deaf or insensitive whatever for me to post something now and i just need to like switch off and maybe not even put out this album on friday because i feel i yeah i just feel kind of insensitive sharing that when there are more important things to speak about so um it is strange i guess social media because you have this kind of It feels like walking into a a club and there's no music, just like a lot of people shouting and yeah, it's and sometimes you need to kind of read the room and just not say what you wanted to say, I don't know so it's it's yeah, there have been points where where I was just burnt out from obsessively having to share content, I guess, and like Mm. share links and things like that and just feeling like uh, I don't know just like, okay, I actually just want to go camping for a month and like just drink whiskey under the stars and not have internet Do you know what i mean um
0: but i can't leave my house because it's like i'm level five
1: <laughs> exactly so there were yeah there were absolute points of, this is just so irritating i don't know any of this shit and then it did feel like okay i'm just i'm literally just um i'm being a digital salesman and i just have to get through it but i try you know i think any artist who who which is most artists they control their own social media pages or at least their twitters like you want your posts to be personalized you, you wouldn't like want it to be i don't know rote or generic or anything like that and i just i can't make a personalized message if i'm feeling like shit do you know what i mean hmm. so I, I just skip it and come back later yeah so <laughs> or sometimes i vent it on stories do you know what i mean because it would yeah, be deleted oh yes. in 24 hours
0: <laughs> oh yes no or, or you can just save it and like Put it as a highlight. <laughs> Be right, like, I'm right, having right. a bad week. This is why I'm not on social. <laughs> Go look at my highlight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, one, one, of, one of the things I've been saying since we started talking was like how busy you are and how busy you've kept yourself during lockdown. But um, I mean, from a, a performance perspective, in, in, in all of the bands that you play in, I mean, there's Mabuta and there's Skyjack and then obviously Card on Spokes. But I feel like jazz, because because of its complexity it allows you to move between genres you know with with Mm -hmm. with a bit more ease talk to me about your relationship with jazz and what it was that drew you specifically to that genre
1: I think it just comes from like you know when I when I started playing bass I was um I was in school I was I was 14 years old and I came from um, mostly, like, listening to grunge music and sublime and hip-hop, Beastie Boys, um, and a lot of electronic music and just stuff like that. But I, I picked up the bass, and I was attracted to um, I was attracted to a lot of funk. I was attracted to, you know, fleas bass playing. I was attracted to Stuart Zender from the first uh, Jamiro Choir Records. And I was attracted to um, Sly and the Family Stone. And so, like, a lot of really groove-heavy, funk centric or like bass centric funk music um kind of pulled me away from um a very kind of rock focused world in terms of like guitar music and that that space of i've been reading flea's um autobiography lately which is Mm -hmm. it's just so beautiful and there's so many things i relate to in there like with his connection to music and and um i've always admired his i think his like vulnerability in, in public, whether it's on stage or, you know, on, online or whatever, like he just exposes himself and he opens his, him, himself up in like wholeheartedly. And I love that. And he does it in music. Um, and the stuff that really attracted me to bass was just connecting with drums. And it was like this kind of marriage of groove and like a, 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 a kind of world where the body was just pulsating through the bass in tandem with the drums in this beautiful kind of primal, visceral um, just like, I don't know, lose your mind in, through your body thing, you know? So that's always been a, um, a starting point for me with bass, regardless of what I'm playing. And I found that because funk music with the brass and the horns and everything, they're all connected to jazz. They're all connected to blues. So, you know, they all stem from the roots of, of, of similar, similar roots. And, um, I found that in jazz through like seventies funk and fusion funk and things like that, that kind of pulled me back. And eventually I discovered that double bass. And I went back to, I guess, earlier musicians like Miles Davis and John Coltrane and stuff. Um, But inherently it's always just, for me, it's actually always just been about the place that I get to occupy on stage in terms of like the function of the bass um, and its purpose amongst the musicians on stage. Providing this bedrock, providing this groove, um, being the foundation of, um, I don't know, like, yeah, of the house, so to speak, you know, it's just always felt right for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I was growing up, I never, that was it. Like I wanted to be in the back, but, but be in the engine, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's, it's the same thing. And jazz has this incredible sense of groove. It's got an incredible, um, the bass has an incredible kind of place in it and double bass is phenomenal. So regardless of which projects i played in, in over the years, whether it's um, something that's maybe a little bit more rooted in like a, an acoustic aesthetic or something that's maybe like Mabuta that crosses over and brings in um, African groove musics like Afrobeat and electronic music as well into the influence, my fundamental like... Um, what, what guides me what guides my like spiritual connection to the music is always the same and it's just mm. that i'm just trying to lose myself in the music and bass is like my favorite vehicle to do that and then jazz has this openness um that allows you to change things up and kind of have a different take on the same subject matter each night so you can play the bass line slightly differently each time and that for me is super exciting like i've i've grown to improvising for me is a huge part of how i write music as well um, and how I engage with like the creative process and stuff. So it's, it's a second, it's just an extension of myself now is improvising. And so having a, a genre of music that allows that inherently in every performance, as well as a recording is uh, very freeing, but it's critical that you play with guys you connect with. Cause I've played with really great musicians who I don't connect with and it's shit. It sounds like shit. Maybe it sounds okay, but, um, there's just a spark that's missing, and if there's so much music in the world. What's the point if there's no spark? You know what I mean. One
0: hundred percent. But you mentioned John Coltrane, like one of the forefathers of jazz, and you know, alongside other legends like Miles Davis and Charlie Parker. Like what I know yeah. about them and their and their history. Like life was tough for them. Yeah. They were always working, always playing, always recording. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess can only mean that like their work ethic and their output was next level. Like, do mm-hmm. you do you feel that? through this pandemic maybe you've developed a greater understanding of being completely dedicated to the craft
1: i think yeah I'll, I'll tell you i mean if i if i draw back back and just be completely like honest and and you know laid bare but it's um in 20 in in just before the mabuta record in late 2017 i was actually i like almost completely burnt out and i was exhausted um and just like finished and I was very close to just giving up because I'd kind of gotten to this point of I just I was I'd lost a lot of um I think my perspective on why I was doing music and in a way I was just burnt out and um feeling just exhausted I was over it I was done um and I it was conflicting because I still loved music I didn't want to give it up but I was mm. I was worried that if I continued down the path I was on at the time it was not going to be good for my health, not good for my longevity, not good for my mental health, not good for my physical health, just everything. I was in a bad place and um, I was at a crossroads and very close to just throwing in the towel and I decided to see the album through as a way of either it was going to be a closure and go that's the last thing I've done, I'm out. Or it was gonna kind of help me and be like an aid in like finding my feet again and it was the latter i did find my feet again um and i found my way back to myself and to my center and why i do music um and after that really and you know i was always super dedicated to the craft i think from a young age because um i knew going into it the difficulties that um, a musician does face you know i grew up seeing a lot of amazing musicians really not get you know what they deserved i think in terms of just um you know they had life so hard so from a very young age i knew you have to just graft your ass off if you're gonna you know have have a chance at this and if you're lucky maybe you'll maybe you'll make a lot of money and then things will get easier but otherwise you're just gonna have to keep going and and just work hard you know but but as the years progressed, I realised more and more about the importance of work-life balance and like taking care of yourself and taking care of your, your heart and your soul, so that the music, yeah, yeah, so that the music doesn't get toxic, so that your place, your relationship with music, um, doesn't get toxic. And if you can maintain that, then things things can be good, you know. And and so at the end of twenty seventeen, when when I went through that. And I came out the other side, I was like, I have to now actively, like actively um, observe myself, observe how I'm treating myself, how I'm living, how I'm engaging with music, how I'm engaging with the things around it, um, the business of it, the lifestyle, all of these things and like, just take care because I don't want to end up there again. And so since then, since 2018, I've been much better um, at all of that, at being aware and 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 seeing those things creeping over the hill when they come back you know those dark horses and knowing like knowing how to how to i don't know like redirect myself so Mm -hmm. that i can get back to myself so that's been better so i I, yeah and and obviously this year has had a new level of intensity in multiple like areas of life um that has i think further so oh yeah that that's what i wanted to say was there was a point this year at the beginning where i think i had a little um uh i shared a bunch of these thoughts one one night on on instagram stories but it was like i was like they lay it one night with insomnia and i was like okay i've been through a worse place like personally and emotionally with my um with that 2017 period and i was like this at this point okay I don't want to just give up because I'm like, what am I going to do? Like it's, it's lockdown level five. Like, I'm not going to go find another job tomorrow in in some industry I've never done. So things are intense. So for now, all I've got is music. And I was just like, okay, I have no idea what the layer of the land is in terms of opportunities going forward for anything, for music, for flipping, whatever. So I'm just going to lean in even more, like just go for it with the limited um, things I have at my disposal at home, being in hardcore lockdown, whatever resources, blah, blah, blah. And just go for it. And I was like, I know, I know my strength, I know my weakness. I've been through hell. I've been through high water with myself. And at this point, I'm just gonna go for it one like one hundred and ten percent. And we'll see what happens as things play out if music is even viable in the, you know, quote unquote new normal. Um, and made it through. But I think for me, if I really look back, it wasn't really twenty twenty that strengthened that resolve. It was that shit I went through at the end of twenty seventeen. Yeah.
0: So let's bring things back to the present, right? You've been working on this project called Dimension Radio with Bokani Dyer and sorry, Modijo, who I'm obsessed with. And the concept is basically three dimensional radio, right? Okay. So this is a two part question. So first, I want to know what is the, what what is, and this one's for the <laughs> this one's for the musical the musical geeks who are listening because I know there are a few. Tell us about the the gear that you're using for this project.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so just a disclaimer: this project's um, in in process now and constantly evolving. And it's 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 in many ways I threw um, a lot of very challenging factors together into one big bunch. Um, so some of the stuff I'm intending to do, I have no idea if it's going to work yet, but I'm just going for it. So, so the starting point is um, this is all being record, recorded through a nagra tape machine from the early 70s which is um it was the industry standard for um a lot of field recording for for films and picture and stuff like that where guys were recording out you know in nature um outdoors and things like that so it's really got an amazing quality the microphones through it sound phenomenal tape for those who don't know like like proper quarter inch tape I don't mean the cassette tapes, like it's got a phenomenal sound. I mean, they're cousins to the cassette tapes. It's got a phenomenal sound. It's got a warmth. It just sounds super beautiful. Um, But at the same time, there's a limitation because you don't have all the perks you have with digital infinite redos, um, you know, or like perfect accurate redos and stuff where you can just go over and over and looking at the screen, choosing a spot. Um, It's got two mic inputs. That's it versus, you know. 16 or 32 or whatever you want um and i have a limited supply of tape um, which is also old stock Um, it's about 20 years old the tape so before i started this project i didn't know i tested some of the tape but you you don't want to record over all of it to test it because each time you record it can slowly you know it it takes its toll on the lifespan of the tape Mm -hmm. Um, so there were all these factors that were unknown. Um, I've only started working with the machine earlier this year in lockdown. So I was doing everything alone. I hadn't worked with other musicians yet with it, um, and trying to just get super fluid with it and things like that. Um, and almost play it like an instrument because you, you constantly are tweaking the dials and stuff to get the best sound, but it's very dynamic. It can build up magnetic charge that can make you lose signal. Um, the tape slowly sort of degrades as you're going through and then you've got to stop and you've got to clean the machine with like 99% alcohol and all these things. So it's a very, um, physical activity. It requires a lot of patience, but a lot of intention. And it's been amazing to work with something that doesn't also have emails and social media on it. It's just that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Basically there are three episodes. The one is called static, which has Bokani die on piano. It has Kara Stacey on like um, traditional Southern African instruments, the mouth bow, the um, various forms of imbiras and stuff like that. Um, it has Daliwonga Changela on cello. Then there's another episode called uh, Tongues, which is just vocal artists. Um, it's Zoe Modicha, It's Akile like Moleshe. It's Anne Messina. Um, very experimental kind of sounds with the mouth and with the tongues and things like that. And then the other episode, the third episode is called skins. And that is just, it's either, um, drum instruments. So it's a lot of, I've got, um, uh, Mika Manganye on percussion, Jono Sweetman on drums and Honte McKenna on percussion, who, who people might know from the, uh, um, Chewbacca and the ancestors and they're playing instruments with skins, either real or synthetics or drums or body percussion. So there's stuff where we're playing our bodies and our chests and our mouths and arms and stuff like that um, or making those weird popping sounds with your cheeks when you flick them like we did when we were kids and stuff <laughs> and I'm also playing various instruments on all of these episodes like on the skins when I'm playing double bass because you can hear my skin on the strings so that's what I'm working on right now you know.
0: Okay so how is this rolling out and where can people go and listen to this?
1: So it's going to launch the first episode will launch on the 25th of um, November which is a Wednesday it's in two weeks time. Um, And it's going to be on everything that we're used to social media wise. It'll be on the Center for the Less Good Idea, um, all their social media stuff on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and so on, on their YouTube as well. Um, For those that don't know, the Center for the Less Good Idea is an amazing art space uh, created by William Kentridge and Bronwyn Lace, which you have to check out regardless of this that I'm doing amazing stuff that they've been doing during lockdown as well. They're currently occupying billboards and stuff around the city of Joburg. Um, So it's going to be on their social media and I'm currently um, working with them on setting up their own like Spotify and Apple Music accounts as well. So it will be on all your usual streaming spaces. So the first episode is going to launch on the 25th of November, the Wednesday, and then each subsequent episode will be um, each Wednesday following that um, all the way into like I think the third week of December. And there's a fourth episode, which is actually um, really its own. It's not part of that, that triptych, so to speak. Um, and it's with this amazing ecological artist, Zaon Khan from Cape Town, who works with fermentation, indigenous plants, um, food, uh, all sorts of fascinating things. You've got to check it out on Instagram. And we collabed on this thing. That's part like, um, it's like part audiobook, part sound walk, part podcast, part, um, um, what would you call it? Uh, radio drama, things like that. So I followed her around with a bunch of portable microphones and recorded her like harvesting plants in the flay, in the kelp, uh, in the ocean stuff on oh, the wow. mountain, um, with these beautiful microphones recorded her, like chopping them and talking about them. So she was just flowing with it, finding whatever was, um, in flower, then this was a couple months ago, um, and then waxing lyrical about these plants, about recipes, about memories from her childhood, recipes she knew growing up from her grandparents, um, and then we recorded a bunch of things in studio with her speaking on it, on you know, in a in a voiceover booth, so her mic's beautiful, um, and then stuff in her kitchen as well where she's preparing these recipes, and so we've been we're working on the post production right now where we're layering all the stuff, so it's basically like. Somewhere between a, a radio drama and an audiobook in a way, and a lot of it is around. Yeah, it's a, it's around like beautiful memories. Um, it's a fascinating recipes, stories, um, culture, um, uh, sociopolitical subject matter, all sorts of fascinating stuff that's like interwoven and pulls you in different directions, but quite cohesive. So we're grafting on that now, and that's really independent to the other three, but we we i wanted to do something with her and she's she's phenomenal amazing artist and it was incredible to have like we rented these really good microphones it was incredible to have um the opportunity to mic up some of the stuff that she does super vividly so you hear like these fermentations bubbling like you're inside the soda you know and um i don't know it was really fun it feels like an animation of sound you know
0: Shane, this is why I love talking to you because you give me so much food for thought. And now I have so many people that I have to go check out on Instagram. And you've basically (laughs) given me like the best homework. (laughs) So it's so great. And I like, I continue to be in awe of like your work ethic and the quality of your music. And it's just been an honor to sneak a peek inside that busy brain. Um, Please promise me that you'll come back and, and after um three-dimensional radio is released we can we can pick it apart we can talk about it
1: yeah that'd be amazing and and to you as well i, I love everything you've been doing with with all of your projects techless so thank you for all that you do for the country the music industry the culture i love it i love it
0: oh god you're gonna make me cry my podcast what's going on <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Shane Cooper for joining us in studio. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Be sure to check out textalks.com for more episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. Also, a huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store, for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself, Tex, our producers, Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and our research assistant, Al Clapper, Catch you on the flip side.